Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we revisit the movies and TV shows of our past to see how they hold up today. We are part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network, and joining me as always is... Rob. I'm just going like one word, like the subject of today's thing. Well, she had a last name. Well, she had several last names. Yeah. Okay, that, that's true. <laughs> not on the show. I'm J.M. McNabb, and uh, we're joined by a special guest, Peter Kinnett from CBC's State of the Arts. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, Peter. We had you on to talk about a very special topic, one that's dear to my heart, and that's the ABC television program, Roseanne. Great show. I forgot my harmonica, otherwise I would have played it <laughs> in between segments. You really do play harmonica. I do, I could, yeah. <laughs> Can you play the Roseanne theme? Probably, it didn't seem that hard. Y- you should record it when you get home. Yeah. We'll, Espe- we'll splice it in. With those ninth season lyrics. That- <laughs> oh, they're so bad. Yeah, from John Popper. <laughs> oh, yeah, is he the blues traveler guy? Yeah, yeah, he was the blues traveler guy. Before we get into it, I do want to take a moment to thank our Patreon donors. Those are the people that donate mm-hmm. a few bucks a month to help keep the show going. Uh, you can find more about that at patreon.com slash rewatchability. Thank you, guys. Yeah. You're like our moms who do things for us, like Roseanne does things for her kids sometimes. <laughs> Good tie-in. No. <laughs> uh, I also want to mention that this week we are launching a Tee Public store where you can get a T-shirt with the show's logo on it. I can get a T-shirt? You can get a T-shirt. Finally, I won't have to go around shirtless. <laughs> In fact, I insist you don't. <laughs> and you can find that. I mean, we'll post it on our social media and stuff. Yeah. And if you go on tpublic.com and just search rewatchability you'll find it. I put up a couple of other original designs, too. We've also curated some t-shirts from movies and shows that we've uh, covered on the show. So yeah, check it out. It's a great way to support us. Yeah, and TeePublic does good stuff. They have good shirts. You need shirts, as I've been told. Yes, several times. I'm sorry. I'm getting the picture. You can finally go back to the liquor store that kicked you out. (laughs) You just need a pair of shoes and you'll be all set. Should Uh, open a shoe store. Okay, Roseanne, let's talk about our sort of personal history right. with Roseanne. Did we watch it when it was first on TV? Mm-hmm. Peter, what about you? I mean, I did. I, I can't recall exactly when that started because I would have been four or five when it actually started airing. But definitely by the third or fourth season, like in the mid-90s, I watched it every what, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it was, with my mother. And I used to tape every episode on VHS and like make my own box sets before there were such Whoa, a thing. Wow. Yeah, it was like I was, I was mildly obsessed with it as like an eight to 12 Did you have like a filing system? 
I would like just write the Roseanne like with the the script that they. You didn't have like the, a spiral notebook with like all the episodes. And, no, no. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, it wasn't a crazy person. <laughs> oh, so you put you tried to like mimic the font. Yeah, I tried to show. mimic the oh, font and oh. like yeah, yeah. You know, I did that with Seinfeld. <laughs> Oh, that's that's interesting. So you actually are like a, a big fan of the show from way back. Yeah, I mean, I've probably seen every episode four or five times. And I, I do genuinely believe that seasons four, five, six are among the best seasons of television ever made. Wow. Yeah. 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 High praise. What about you, Rob? You watched it when it was on? No, not so much. I mean, there was a lot of sitcoms on, and I think it just was a little bit too close to home. The Connors sort of looked and felt a lot like my family. There was a lot of insulting each other and making fun of each other's weight or appearance or, you know, abilities. And Just uh, without the studio audience. Yeah, it doesn't go as well without the laugh track. <laughs> I don't know. It just, just hurt feelings. It felt like not something that I could escape into. When I came home from school, I wanted to go somewhere that did not resemble my kitchen. So I didn't really catch on to Roseanne, though I sort of recognized a while back that it was probably a better show than I gave it credit for. Also, quite traumatically, in high school, I was bullied by a girl in my grade 11 English class who called me Darlene because I had (laughs) a ponytail. (laughs) And uh, That's why you didn't watch Roseanne? (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, it stung. But also... uh, She was a beloved television icon. Why? That's not an insult. I know. Now I think it's great. I mean, watching episode one, I I sort of see it, to be honest. So (laughs) I'm actually less insulted now. (laughs) What about you, Jam? Yeah, I think like you, Peter, I was a bit too young when it first came on, but caught it in reruns and eventually was watching it week to week. And yeah, it was just a big show for me. Like, I remember every episode very distinctly. There are certain just like... You know, rewatching it now, certain lines of dialogue that have just stuck with me, you know, the way some of the actors just intoned certain words, right. just, you know, have burrowed their way into my consciousness. They're like your TV family. They kind of are. They're among several that I had <laughs> growing up. Uh, the Bankses, the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. The Matters. Well, uh, the, the Family uh, Matters. What was the name on Who's the Boss? What was that family? The Bosses? The Bosses. I have no yeah. idea. No, a- Angela something. Angela Bauer. Okay, right. but I, I don't know if you'd call them the Bowers because the Maselli's were there too. Yeah, so the, the Maselli's and the Bowers. Maselli Bowers. I don't know why we're talking about mixed this. families. Uh, <laughs> but I, I was a big fan of Roseanne. I like remember distinctly watching the finale, and we'll talk about reactions to that when right. we get into it because that was one of the episodes we rewatched. But yeah, it's it's just a show that's always been a part of my pop cultural understanding of the world. Yeah. I will say we're doing this in advance of the reboot coming out. Right. Uh, I think that the first episode will have aired just before this episode comes out. So we haven't seen it. But there's been some early reviews. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. But I do feel like I kind of, maybe you feel the same way, kind of made my peace with Roseanne. Like it's not a show I felt <laughs> like I needed to come back to. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really apprehensive about even watching it. I mean, I will watch the reboot, but the, the way that it ended, it's such like a unique disaster that <laughs> I feel like, again, yeah, I've, I've sort of made amends with what it ended up becoming. And, and I don't know if I want to go back. Yeah. yeah. And when you have to like resurrect a cast member, that's never a good sign. No. Like well, how are they going to do that? I, well, we'll get into that because I don't think it's as tricky as everyone's made it out to be. But 
I mean, Will and Grace just did the same thing. I mean, they didn't resurrect anyone, but they completely pretended like the finale didn't they happen. Will right. die? No, they like <laughs> were estranged for twenty years or something. Uh, I forget how it ended, but they just pretended that didn't happen. And they're also, I actually, I was listening to your show where you're talking about reboots, reboot culture, and you're talking about how mad about you is getting a reboot. And I was thinking about that finale. That's oh, wow. another one that went into the future, and they were divorced. And is that? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, and like Janine Garofalo was their daughter oh, and yeah. was trying to reunite them. Mabel. Is it too late to yeah. reboot Newhart? <laughs> Right. (laughs) But I was thinking, I wonder if all of this will lead to a difference in the types of TV finales we get. If this kind of reboot culture will make showrunners a bit more apprehensive to do something dramatic or twisty. 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, Well, but then on the other hand, I mean, they can always do it and bounce back. Like there doesn't seem to be any limits. That's true. Everything can be redone. They brought back Dallas. They can do anything. Well, let's talk about the episodes we watched. We all watched the pilot, right? Yeah. Which was called Life Life and and Stuff. Stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Which apparently was going to be the title of the show, and Roseanne really had to fight for the title to be Roseanne. Right. Because I guess the producers or the network wanted to be more of an ensemble piece, and she was like, no, I'm I'm Roseanne. (laughs) No fucking way. What did you guys think of the pilot? I thought it was good. I'm not as familiar with the show, so I'm not as familiar with the tone that it took on during its prime because I feel like any sitcom is going to change so much after it's started running and especially like the pilot is never the same. I mean, it's not even the same DJ in this as we discovered, but I thought it, it seemed like a show that had like a lot of cohesion to me. What about to you guys? I mean, it felt like really unfocused still it's, it was great there's lots of really great lines in it but Roseanne herself really can't act yet and I right. think and it's so clear because I mean she clearly surrounded herself with some incredible actors like John Goodman and Laurie Metcalf are amazing yeah. Steppenwolf motherfuckers yeah <laughs> and you you can see that and it's also like feels like a, her stand-up very much in the yeah. first episode and the first season it hasn't sort of evolved into what would become sort of this mix of comedy and drama and, and sort of social issue realism mm-hmm. yeah I kind of admired that. I was surprised by it too, but like there wasn't even really a story no. to the first episode. It's very like slice of lifey. Yeah. It's like, there's like barely a plot. It's just like the the biggest like semblance of a plot is that Roseanne needs to get an hour off of work to go see Darlene's teacher because Darlene is acting out. That's Bark, barking. Yeah, barking, <laughs> which they mention in the uh, finale again. They sort of bring it all the way back. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It was the barking was more important than we realized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it but was I the kinda, through line. You know, I was thinking about like, you know, the, the thing they say about Seinfeld was it was going to be a sitcom about nothing. Like this truly felt like a show about nothing in the best possible way for me. Like, you know, so often now you watch a pilot and it feels very contrived you can feel right. like they're saying this is the type of obstacle our characters are going to have to overcome yeah and there really wasn't anything like that in the show it just felt like yeah that was a day in the life of this family yeah well i think very much like the family and the way that it's put together is sort of the message of the show the mom that has to work and still has to come home and do all the cleaning and has to argue with her husband to fix things and do his share and look after the kids and all of that stuff that part could be like Soviet documentary realism or something like that. Like, some of it's, like, the jokes are jokes, but they feel like they're the real jokes that people would make in those situations. Right, yeah. And I think it probably was called a lot from her stand-up, because, like, if you watch that Carson spot she did that supposedly got her the gig, you can see a lot of the parallels just between her stand-up persona and her 
her sitcom persona in this yeah. first episode. Like they didn't even really need the feel the need to put a story in the way of advertising this character, which I thought was interesting. Was that like a thing at the time where they would take a stand-up comedian and just build a show around them? Or was this the first example? Because now it seems pretty standard. I don't think it was the first example, but I think it was fairly pioneering because Seinfeld came after, Ellen came after. There was a bunch of shows that came, Tim Allen, I think, came a little bit after. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, I read that it was, yeah, it had been done like, like you said, Bob Newhart was one. Certainly. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah, like after this was such a monster hit, it seemed like that was the template for yeah. every sitcom. Yeah. What other episodes did you guys want to talk about? Rob, what else did you rewatch? I watched a bunch of random episodes. One that I watched was an episode where it starts out with Dan has promised DJ and the kids that they could watch a scary movie, but Roseanne objects because she doesn't want them to get nightmares. So they watch a scary movie, and then Darlene has trouble sleeping, so Roseanne has to get up with her because, of course, Dan just goes back to sleep because he's irresponsible. (laughs) And... It turns out that she wasn't scared from the movie. She got her period, she yells. And it was a very special episode. And then Dan had to, like, try to, like, I mean, it wasn't, like, a big part of the story or anything. He had to, like, you know, try to, like, talk to her after that. It was just, like, a there was, like, this weird thing about her whole, like, everybody's perspective about her changing. I mean, I guess that was kind of very special episode-y. Yeah. But I mean, the the whole very special episode thing, which they do a lot of, they just handled it differently than other shows did. Like my favorite episode is, I think it's Wait Till Your Father Gets Home. It's in season five. It's when Roseanne and Jackie's father dies. Oh, yeah. And their father was like brutally abusive. And there's like a lot of shit going on there. And it's somehow hilarious, this episode, but it's also deeply touching. And Lori Metcalf, when she's on the phone with some aunt or something, being like screaming, he's dead, he's dead, because the aunt can't hear. It is one of the funniest, most well-acted scenes. Like, it really sort of goes to show how incredible Lori Metcalf was. See, I didn't rewatch that, but as soon as you mentioned that scene, I can hear her in my head going, he's dead, he's... <laughs> what did she say? He's, he's, he's dead, he's dead, and, and, and then in the end, she almost like, gives up. That. And it's like, he's fine, he sends his love, and right, he yeah, hangs yeah. the phone. And she's like, I'm never doing that again. And it's just, it's it's a really, really great scene. Yeah, you mentioned the very special episodeness of other shows like the show dealt with issues that i feel like so many shows sitcoms at this time tried to tackle mm. important things yeah. or, or issues of of weight and did it in a very blunt obvious Whoa, way wait wait <laughs> and this show like had some really subtle ins to bigger issues like i one episode i didn't get to rewatch that i would have liked to is the one that tackled race in the sense that uh, they found out that DJ didn't want to kiss a girl oh, yeah. at school, right? You remember it's that so one? well done. What's yeah. up with that? He doesn't want to kiss the girl at school. Yeah, and Roseanne gives this speech to him that is so, so well done, being like, I, I didn't rewatch it, it's been a couple of years, but she gives a really great speech sort of denouncing wow. DJ's racism. And yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's well done. Because at first they say, like, if he doesn't want to kiss the girl, that there's no problem with that, and, like, argue to his teachers about it and then they find out that the girl is black and so they're like no no you have to kiss her like otherwise our family's going to seem racist and it's just yeah like it just kind of prompts this interesting conversation I like that they're like let's pin the racist character on the kid <laughs> well no because it comes back he on doesn't Roseanne, yeah because I, I don't think in the end that was had anything to do with why he didn't want to kiss her so, anyway it, right. it sort of played with the complexity of these issues oh. and in 1994 that's that's something and if I'm yeah. if I'm remembering right I think it's the same episode where Roseanne's like closing up at the restaurant and 
a black guy comes and knocks on the door after she's closed up and she won't let him in. And then she finds out that it was the dad of the girl who'd come to talk to him. I think that's what happened. That sounds about right. And it's like this thing where she says, like, oh, I wouldn't let any guy in that late. I was by myself. But also the thing of, well, would she have yeah. if it was like a white guy? So it's – and it's – again, it's like a kind of just a subtle examination of a topic that I feel like another show would have done. Like I don't, I don't think Step by Step would have – <laughs> had as prompted as interesting a dialogue as as Roseanne did. Yeah, no, it's true. It does it does sort of look at things complexly, and it, I think like in the way that it doesn't make the episodes like about the issue necessarily. Like it just still seems like the Connor family going about their Connor family sort of things. Mm-hmm. Another one I, I watched that kind of falls into that category. Uh, you said you're a big Laurie Metcalf fan. Yeah. It's the episode where where Roseanne finds out that her boyfriend Fisher has been abusing her. Yeah, and Dan goes over and beats the crap out of him. Oh yeah, <laughs> and goes to jail. And goes to jail. It's a two parter. Yeah, yeah. yeah been, I watched both parts. It was very exciting. Holy uh, crap! But again, like it, what was interesting about it was it finds this interesting tone where it doesn't necessarily cease the comedy when they're talking about a serious issue like domestic abuse, but it also doesn't handle that topic lightly at all. Yeah. Like there's a great line. Or shy away from it. Where Dan's trying to explain to DJ what happened. And he said, well, you know, uh, Fisher was really mean to Jackie, but not in the way that your mom and grandma are mean to her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was such a great episode. It's a really great episode. Yeah. And I also don't feel like it gets enough credit for a lot of things in terms of just the gay stuff, which they brought up like in 92, 93 with Nancy's character coming out, Mm -hmm. Sandra Bernhard. I think that it did just as much as Ellen did a couple years later. Like it really was the first show to bring a lot of that forward. And for me, I watched that with my mom and I'm gay. And I think that played a massive role. And we were in a small town, a family and not unlike the Connors for educating us in this very humorous, thoughtful, humane way, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And even like... Leon's character, yeah, played by Martin Mull, yeah, became like he. I think when he first came into the show, he was a bit more of like the foil, like he was a bit more of the shitty boss. But he really became like he's when we watched the finale, he's in that last scene mm-hmm. with his husband, played Fred by Willard. Fred Willard, in a <laughs> Friendwood Tonight <laughs> reference. Yeah, that's another great thing about the show. And I, one of the episodes yeah. I really watched was the one where Roseanne goes to the gay bar, right? Hemingway, Hemingway, yeah. <laughs> Their I, lesbian kiss episode. Yeah. Which, I, I believe, sorry, it was the 1993-94 yeah. that they almost didn't air that episode. Yeah, no, they and had Roseanne to fight demanded, for it. Yeah, yeah I, I read that Roseanne, like, threatened to take her show to a different network if they yeah. didn't let her do this episode. And I heard Kraft, like, wouldn't run their commercials on that. Oh, boycott Fuck Kraft. You, Kraft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna I'm throwing out my singles. <laughs> <laughs> but that episode, yeah, I, I remember watching it when it came on TV and like every commercial break had a warning be like this yeah. program contains mature themes <laughs> well there was some criticism that the way that the network sort of used it was to sensationalize the episode and it was a sort of like trope that was happening at the time like a lot of episodes were doing like the lesbian kiss episode like Ally McBeal and I think that would have been later though yeah 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 I think the show was really ahead of its time but the criticism is always that the lesbian or bisexual character never sticks around after the episode and it never happens again well but Nancy did oh yeah the thing with that is that that kiss episode which I think was the first kiss on network TV or something between Roseanne and Muriel Hemingway yeah I would be find it a little more questionable if it hadn't come after a few seasons of Martin Mull's character and Sandra Bernhardt's characters right, for sure. already being out regular recurring characters on the show. Like, I, I, I just feel like 
it, it, that was handled sensitively throughout the whole show. I mean, maybe not at the end, but yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And like, I didn't really remember what like the theme of the show was. Like, I remember the kiss. I remember the theme song. Oh, okay. Like, the theme of the episode was more about Roseanne's discomfort with it yeah. and kind of reconciling the fact yeah. that she wants to support her friend with the fact that she has these kind of conservative values that she's a married woman. Yeah, but it's interesting because like the whole kind of first act of the show is her like making fun of Jackie's discomfort right. when they go to the gay bar. And then after Mariel Hemingway kisses her, she gets really weirded out. And then it's about like addressing mm. that. Again, it's like it's very nuanced. Yeah. So it's sort of like turns Roseanne into the character that has to sort of examine herself usually when it sort of takes on these issues. Right. Yeah. And that's what I, I found so interesting about it. Another one I watched was the episode where she has to get Becky birth control pills. Right. And it's the same kind of thing. Like she acts very cool and like she's the cool mom that was a feminist and will get birth control for her daughter. But then secretly when she's talking to Dan, like they're both really freaked out about it and upset. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Trying to be cool. It's it's so hard to like watch these episodes and like they're so optimistic and like progressive and to hear about the sort of direction that the new one seems to be going in. Do we want to talk about that now? <laughs> I don't know, but it's hard to talk about how groundbreaking and progressive this show was. And, like, we haven't even talked about how important it was for feminism and it has, like, a lot of great female directors and writers and showrunners throughout the whole thing. But then, like, now she's a Trump supporter. Yeah. Okay, and Roseanne well, <laughs> herself. Like, we haven't talked about the fact that Roseanne, the character, Roseanne the show is great, but Roseanne, the person, is so hard to get behind most of the time well now yeah well, <laughs> but, for even, sure. but even then even like then. i think that's what i don't know if this is true necessarily but it seemed like a lot of the great talent involved in that show eventually just got so exhausted with working yeah with her that by the end it was very much just her control and that's i mean the last two seasons of the the original run are especially the lottery thing it's their oh, disasters yeah. like it's incredible right. what a fall from grace that well, yeah why don't we talk a bit I mean, comes, about it that it becomes like a different show almost yeah let's talk a bit about that and we'll get into the trump of it all later when we talk <laughs> oh, about God. the reboot what did you guys think of the last couple of seasons of the show I mean, it, it was kind of gradual. I think I forget the order, but like seven started getting a little bit mediocre. Eight was just kind of bad. And then nine is when they win the lottery and it becomes like this campy, yeah. like <laughs> a completely other show. And like they're, they're Jackie's dating a prince and they, the Abfab crossover episode. Played and, by Jim Varney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's wild. Like it's almost like impressive how completely off the rails it went. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. The story I heard, the rumor is that Roseanne was pitching an American version of AbFab to star Carrie Fisher. Oh. <laughs> and the network didn't pick it up, which really pissed her off. So she basically decided to turn her show into that show. So that's why it became essentially like sketch comedy almost, like the surreal. Oh. It had the crossover with the actual cast members. But that's one explanation for maybe what happened. But I also, I mean, I don't know if I like it, but I do kind of appreciate how committed it is to going just insane yeah. in that last season. Well, also, like, it was on for, what, eight seasons? Nine seasons? Nine. Yeah. Like, that's a long time to do yeah. one thing and to keep it, like, around the family table. You yeah, know? it certainly didn't repeat itself in the last season. That's for sure. <laughs> we all watched the controversial finale. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of that? 
I mean, up until the, like, what's the last 15, 20 minutes when she starts the sort of storytelling element where all of this has basically been her own writing. And what? Not, yeah. yeah. I thought it was in a snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? So Dan's dead. Jackie's a lesbian, not the mother. Yeah. The mother became a lesbian towards the end. Right. Darlene's the really lottery. with Mark. They didn't win the lottery. Becky's really with David. There's a whole bunch of stuff that... Yeah, because at first it kind of just seems like, oh, I guess this last season was not real because they didn't win the lottery and Dan died. But then it's like, oh, yeah, Becky was with David and Mark was with Darlene. It's like, what? Yeah. So the whole show? It was a really strange and didn't quite all check out. Yeah. Or is it it supposed to be... Because there was the episode where, like, they give Roseanne a writing room that they have, like, an audio flashback to. Yeah. Is it supposed to be everything after that was, like... Her writing oh and what is her writing? God. Is it a teleplay? Is it a novel? Mm-hmm. How does children's she wrote books every originally. episode of Roseanne. Oh, <laughs> anyway, no, but it, and but the up until that point, that finale is just kind of like it's just not funny. It's just like Darlene's coming home with her baby, and it's just a yeah. very standard. Well, it's really boring, and it has like <laughs> a lot of sentimental. Take one last look at these characters before we say goodbye. But before we say goodbye to them existing at all, even within the world of the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. How did you guys feel about that? Because I know a, a lot of people are upset at the time. At the time, I was pretty upset, but I was already so upset. Like, I mean, the show had already just not become what it was anyway, and I had pretty much just given up on it at that point. So I was just curious to see what she would do. And I do at least admire that she sort of went for it with that sort of bizarre yeah. way to end it. Yeah. I think the thing about Dan dying, even though it's done in a stupid way, is a note that rings kind of well it it sort of ends it with like a poignancy and um i mean it's sort of dumb the way that it's done but he's such like an important part of the show and he feels kind of almost like the heart of it in a way so to have him not be there brings a finality to it that seems that that is not not there anymore (laughs) (laughs) but i yeah i remember at the time like john goodman wasn't in a lot of the season like yeah he was filming lebowski is that what it was? Yeah. I knew he was filming a movie. I thought maybe it was like Blues Brothers 2000. Well, that's why in like the final episodes of the uh, season, he looks like Walter. <laughs> he has oh like... Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> the flat top and, and the, the thing. Big, that shitty beard. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So he was filming Lebowski, but he wasn't in a lot. I knew that. And so there were all these rumors that he was going to die. Like people were... T- I remember watching like Entertainment Tonight and they're like, is Dan going to die? Because he's not going to be in this season and then right. they had him have a heart attack at Darlene's wedding and that just seemed like okay this is it Dan's going to die and then he didn't die and you're like oh wow Dan survived even after him not being on the show that much having a heart attack and then in like the last five minutes they're like Dan had a heart attack and died I'm like oh come on <laughs> what <laughs> we made it this far and you're just like oh yeah he, he died my writing's really what got me through the last year after Dan died I, I mean at first I felt so betrayed as if he had left me for another woman. When you're a blue-collar woman and your husband dies, it takes away your whole sense of security. So I began writing about having all the money in the world. And I imagined myself going to spas and swanky New York parties, just like the people on TV, where nobody has any real problems and everything's solved within 30 minutes. Yeah. But I, I do remember watching it like as it aired that whenever that was, like I guess 1998 or something. And it was almost like the end of the Oscars last year when they messed up the envelopes. I was like, really, what is going on? And just kind of <laughs> trying to sort of, because it goes very Process quickly it. and so much happens in terms of this monologue she's given. Oh and God. it's just, it is quite insane. 
Oh yeah, no, it's not. And then it ends with like a T.E. Lawrence quote on the screen. <laughs> it was yeah, it was just I don't know. Yeah, I'm, it sort of goes up her own ass. I mean, in a way, like it sort of becomes like about her, right? I almost wish like if it was a monologue that she gave as Roseanne Barr, or whatever she was calling herself at the time, about her own life. <laughs> she had five names in the credits of the first episode. Because, <laughs> like, she does say the thing, like, my mom wasn't gay, Jackie really was, and in real life, like, her brother and sister, I think, are both gay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, like, that but, stuff is good. Like, why? No, but I just, I don't know. Like, it seemed like now we just have an extra layer of artifice. Yeah. It would have been interesting if, like, Roseanne, the author of this show, just spoke to us. But instead, we got a different version of Roseanne where I don't even understand the chronology of, of when it broke into this fiction. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why people people are saying, like, how is Dan going to be alive in the new show? It's like, well, how is anything going to – like, how is yeah. Becky going to be with – Yeah, well, well Mark's be... dead. Like, the actor who played Mark is dead. I, but, I think in the reboot, he's dead too. Well, that makes sense. But, like, presumably they were married in this version of the show. Like, it's yeah. more confusing than, like, you know, Star Trek or something. Yeah, what are, are, are they going to go with in the reboot the universe from the end of Roseanne's monologue or from the end of season eight? What happens? Right, exactly. From what I understand, basically the last season didn't happen. Just didn't happen? Yeah. Wow. Okay. We've got so much more to talk about, Roseanne. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're back on Rewatchability. We're here with Peter Kinnett talking about Roseanne, the beloved TV show that ended like a crazy fever dream. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about the Trump of it all, because the show's coming back. The only thing that we know really going forward, other, I've read a couple of reviews, but the kind of big thing is that Roseanne, the person, and Roseanne, the character, is a Trump supporter now, which for me just doesn't gel with what we know of this character. No. Does it to you Well, I don't know. I mean, it's been 20 years since this was on the air, and people change. And, I mean, obviously, Roseanne has changed in her own ways and you know maybe there's a good reason for her to be a trump supporter and I, some of what i read it's because he's making to make america great <laughs> no it's because no, she has like a huge income and she doesn't want to pay taxes <laughs> but she's also so all over the place with all of her opinions like i saw her yeah. do stand up maybe two years ago and it was great and it, she didn't sort of get into that at all and it was very progressive socially and wasn't she, she gonna run for president at she one she did point? run for president yeah. she came in sixth in 2012 I, I think she was and then she tried to be the leader of the Green Party, but then Jill Stein beat her. Right. Anyway, I don't know what. She just seems like totally all over the place, and, yeah. and I don't know what's become of her. I mean, and yeah, like you said, that was even starting, I think, back then. And not to sort of all put it on her, because some of her relationships have been bad, and that like Tom Arnold thing seemed like kind of shitty. Oh, yeah, Tom Arnold is a real piece of shit. I did look up some, some research about Tom Arnold. Yeah. He, at one point, while they were making the show, I guess Seinfeld was on the same lot, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus parked in his spot, so he scrawled the C word on her car. Oh, my God. What a yeah. piece of shit. And then one of the producers... 
Jeff Harris, who worked on 34 episodes at the beginning of the show, resigned by taking out a full-page ad in Variety, and apparently he was allegedly strangled by Tom Arnold while making the show. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Tom Arnold is a jerk. Yeah. yeah. Seemingly. But also, like, Roseanne, like, drove a lot of people away, too. Probably not by strangling them. That's true. But <laughs> Wasn't there, like, a made-for-TV movie about your yeah, marriage? There, yeah. there was. Oh, yeah. my God. I'm going to watch that when I get home. <laughs> uh, but, I don't know. Like, I guess I'm fine with Roseanne having a bunch of outlandish opinions. I guess I'm more protective of this character. Cause yeah. Because it's a show that I loved. Well, and I don't think that she deserves, like, the full authorial credit for Roseanne. I don't think it was her show as much as maybe we remember. It was like she was the face. It was sort of based off her stand-up. But it seemed like there was a lot of other people behind the scenes who, when they weren't getting fired by Roseanne, uh, (laughs) were making it work. And when Roseanne took over the reins, it sort of went off the rails. I mean, I think the whole thing as to why it worked was she surrounded herself not only with actors, as we noted, but Amy Sherman, then Amy Sherman, now Amy Sherman Palladino. She was a writer. Yeah. That's how she got her start. Went on to make Gilmore Girls. Yas Whedon, who we all know, like he got a start on that show. Yeah. He wrote McDonald. episode. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, I watched an episode he wrote Loves where blood. like Roseanne doesn't want Jackie to become a cop. That yeah. That was a good one, too. Some of them, some of them seem really good. Oh, and there was another one that I watched where Darlene has to write like some poetry and Roseanne shows her a bunch of the poetry that she wrote and all that like writerly stuff felt very Joss Whedon. And it was kind of like nice about how Roseanne wanted her daughter to be this artist and she was totally projecting onto it. I, it was good. And, but from what I understand about the reboot, Sarah Gilbert, who plays Darlene, is very much behind the scenes in charge of the of the reboot. She's the exact producer. Yeah. Oh, and I really? think this is largely her idea. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. It's just disappointing. I guess, yeah. like, watch, especially rewatching it now, like, so many of the episodes are about Roseanne, like, not putting up with shit from guys that are full of shit. Yeah. And to have the show, like, centered around her voting for the most full of shit guy I've ever seen. Uh-huh. It's just kind of disappointing. Yeah. Well, I think that there is going to be, like, an element of, like, like they're sort of trying to play a bit of the political divide. The first episode does sound like it's sort of interrogating the rift between conservatives and progressive people in America. I don't know whether there will be anything good to be mined out of that, and I don't know whether, like, Roseanne's perspective is one. I mean, maybe, you know, my, maybe there'll be something really interesting in it. I don't know. My concern is, like, by situating that because i was reading articles where they're saying that it's just like we're gonna have a fun comedic premise out of like a family that still loves each other but is politically divided i also don't want to like normalize the no roseanne's views on this issue because i think it's like perhaps more dangerous than the show will will make it out to be if roseanne's supportive of dj becoming a skinhead nazi i am not going to continue watching it (laughs) I'm gonna. Jesus. I'm pretty sure you're you're good. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't kiss that black girl. I mean, I guess it was it was it was there from the beginning. <laughs> I just don't know how I feel about these sitcoms being rebooted. I don't know if this is something a world I needed to go back to. This is like the conversation that we've been having about films for the last ten years on this show. Is yeah. like, do do we need these reboots? But also, do they hurt the original thing, or do they destroy our experience? Really, do you have to watch them? Or once you do, most of the time, you just sort of forget about them. Like Arrested Development season four, it's like I just don't remember it. Sometimes I think of a good Arrested Development joke, and it makes me laugh. Sometimes I watch the first three seasons, I just sort of forget about the mess. Yeah. But I mean, with Arrested Development or, or Twin Peaks, those are examples of shows where awesome. they weren't 
they shouldn't have left when they did and there was more of a story to tell right, whether they messed it up or not true. which I don't think they did between Peaks and maybe they did a little bit with the rest of development with Roseanne and Murphy Brown and Mad About You yes. and Will and Grace oh, yeah, those, those shows were kind of done and dead yes. and I, we don't necessarily need to resurrect them because I feel like their stories not only were already told but they were told too long as it was yeah exactly I completely agree yeah I kind of want to see Murphy Brown yeah, I mean you too I'm going to watch I, Murphy yeah, Brown I'm going to watch, watch all of them but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually. Well, we should do Murphy Brown on the show. When we The weird thing, though, is that TV doesn't exist anymore, at least not for me. Like, I don't come home ha- after a hard day of recording podcasts and <laughs> plop down in front of the TV, turn it on, and just whatever's on is on, or find whatever's playing something good. So you have to, like, actually go out and seek these things out. They're not just, like, part of your life anymore. Yeah. I don't know if they'll have, like, the same relevancy or the same effect or they'll feel the same way. They just sort of seem, like, supplementary, you know? Mm-hmm. I do want to talk a bit about some of the supporting characters on the show because there were so many, not just Roseanne and the kids, but well, let's talk about Mark and David for a second. What did yeah. you, you guys think about Becky and Darlene's husbands? Oh, man. Johnny Galecki's eyebrows. <laughs> they are serious. His haircuts, too. He had that floppy haircut for a while. Yeah, yeah. As was popular at the time, I guess. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, they were okay. They also had like an interesting backstory. I think they had an abusive alcoholic mom. And so like they yeah. came and lived with the Connors. That episode is inc- Sally Kirkland plays their mother. Right? And it's an yeah. incredible episode where Roseanne. No, I think it's called no. like, it's a boy is the name of the title. And, and Dan says, no, you're, David's not coming back. But then Roseanne goes and sees what he's living with and brings him home. I don't think it's Christmas. Right. But yeah. Right. But yeah. I liked both of them. I thought they were way more well-rounded than sort of recurring boyfriend-type characters typically are. Totally. Yeah, and, like, there was one point where, like, David lived there when, after he'd, like, broken up with Darlene, or they had, like, broken up. So there was, like, this weird, like, awkward bit. Right. That felt kind of real. I think I've seen that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Who else? Uh, we touched on Leon. I, I mean, I love Martin Mull. Yeah, um, there's lots of great characters. Nancy we talked about. Well, Tom Arnold was in it, obviously, until they divorced. Yeah. yeah. They tried to, like, give him a spinoff show, didn't they? Who, Arnie? Or not? No, Tom Arnold. I forget what that show was called. It wasn't like... Yeah, a, it wasn't a spinoff. It was, I think, a different oh, show, but it was like, probably produced by Roseanne's production company. like Jackie... The, some, the Jackie something, something yeah. show. Yeah, and they, they uh-huh. did have a crossover once where it was they were going to L.A. or something and they yeah. couldn't get on the press of rights, so they were in the audience for that show. That's right. The Jackie yeah. something show, and it was on after for like a season or two. Oh, man, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Oh, that also reminded me of <laughs> they inexplicably went to Disney World for right. two episodes yeah. because ABC mandated that all their sitcoms had to do that. <laughs> Even though it made no sense for the Connors, I think it was like they got some kind of tax... Yeah. rebate and they're like we should put this into like savings for the kids and they're like no let's go to Disney World that is entirely realistic for a poor family <laughs> but I loved the next door neighbors there was the one single dad and the two daughters and the one daughter Molly was really bad and tried right. to kept on trying to sleep with David and Darlene was sort of foiled with her I loved them and then there was also like these like upper middle class couple that lived next door that was a foil for Roseanne I forget their names yeah. but they were great with the really uptight mother who who yeah, and, kind of and they got robbed, and Roseanne thought there was a sale or something, and accidentally took some of the stuff. Right. That, <laughs> like some, yeah, it was good. Yeah, they had some good characters. They built a little world. Yeah, there's a familiar face in the pilot in episode one, of course, George Clooney. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about him. He was uh, Booker. Booker. Yeah. <laughs> Named after Booker T and the MGs. <laughs> He was pretty good. I, you know, I'd forgotten. Like I remember him being on the show. I didn't know he was as far back as the pilot. No, yeah. I didn't either until I rewatched it. But yeah, he was on quite a few seasons, recurring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he showed up a couple times. 
Because I remember, I you know, I haven't really watched Roseanne for years, but what I do watch every year is at least a few Halloween episodes. Yeah. Like I went out and bought the DVD that just has all the Halloween episodes right. because it's not Halloween without Roseanne. Right. And I think Booker's in one. And But that's when I think of Roseanne, like my, probably the thing I think about most is how great their Halloween episodes were. They sometimes broke the fourth wall a little bit. Like I remember there's an episode where Roseanne <laughs> pulls out dynamite and blows the house up at the yeah. end of the episode. But they were great. Yeah. Do you guys remember those? No. Yeah, I mean, my favorite was the one where Roseanne's all depressed, so the ghosts of Halloween, past, present, future, come and visit her, and it's like a play on A Christmas Carol. It's really well done. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. They're always trying to prank each other. Yeah. Yeah. And Darlene was uh, Hannibal Lecter, like, one year. Oh, really yeah, well yeah, yeah, and, and DJ had to... No, no, DJ was Hannibal oh, Lecter, D- and yeah. Darlene had to wheel him out or something. That's right. Yeah. What's the uh, deal with the two Beckys? Oh, yeah. Do you know why the first Becky left? To go to college. And Roseanne encouraged her. So then they didn't have any Becky for a season. Right. Replaced her with Sarah Chalk. And then I believe they started rotating them. Yeah. The end, yeah. Like, which was bizarre. And then there was a Halloween. <laughs> it's not that epi- tough a job. <laughs> there was a Halloween episode where the original came back and then Sarah Chalk trick or treated at the house. And they were like, oh, what a nice young girl. I wish we had a daughter like that or something. And I think in the new one, I read that. The original Becky is Becky, but then she's considering being a surrogate mother for Sarah Chalk, who's playing a different character. Yeah, who's going to be like in most of the episodes as as Andrea. Right. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And of course, they can explain all this away by having the last episode of the reboot just be like, (laughs) Becky died in a fire (laughs) 10 years ago or something. (laughs) That's terrible. No, sorry. I think we're probably starting – get towards wrapping up. Let's talk a bit about if we thought that these episodes were rewatchable. Did you think that, because obviously we've talked about how they were progressive for the time. Did it feel dated now or did it feel like this show still had a voice in 2018? Peter, what about you? I think it still definitely has a voice in 2018 because I don't think anything like it really ended up coming after. And there's not that many pop culture references in it either. So it yeah. does hold up pretty well. And sometimes if you just kind of ignore the hair <laughs> and, and but the, their fashion was so like in a bubble anyway. So it was kind of like, could be any time. And I think it, it still holds up and sometimes actually feels really progressive even now. Yeah, it, it definitely does. In the last episode, <laughs> somebody was making jokes about Martin Mull brought the baby a G.I. Joe and like a Barbie doll and was going to like put them on the other oh, side right. of the room to make them crawl to see what gender identity they wanted. Right. <laughs> and that was the wording they used too. And I was yeah. like, wow, this is like 1998. Like it's crazy that they were doing this. Totally. Yeah. And the last episode definitely had a very sort of overt feminist working class woman message to it that still feels very relevant. And that still feels like very real to me and my family. And so I- – Absolutely. I also – I think that the show – like you said, there weren't many pop culture – References. I feel like even though like I didn't grow up in the States, I, you know, I didn't necessarily have a home like this. I grew up an only child. But even just the fact that you watch so many shows where just money isn't an issue, even just right. like having a show where on a regular basis, like the premise of the show would be kind of tethered to the idea that they don't have money for something. Yeah. And that's just such – a universal thing that so many people have to deal with that just like, you know, you watch like friends and one of them will be like, let's go to Las Vegas. And the others are like, great. No one's like, well, wait a minute, let's crunch the numbers on this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that wasn't a thing that sitcoms ever addressed, but even just having that 
connection to it from a family that didn't have a lot of money it was a value, I thought. I mean, oddly, the show that I feel like is a, is a predecessor for it is Mom, the show with Anna Faris and, and uh, Allison Janney, which is also Chuck Lorre. Chuck Lorre? I don't know oh, what you say. Who, he got a star on Roseanne. Yeah. Yeah. Oddly enough, and then Allison Janney just beat Laurie Metcalf for an Oscar. That's what I, I thought was, was like a fascinating. <laughs> it was like the battle of the sort of Chuck Lorre supporting actresses. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was pretty bummed that she didn't. Me too. Didn't win. I love Allison Janney, but uh, yeah, Laurie Metcalf is just so good, especially in Roseanne. Yeah. She should have won the Oscar for Roseanne, for sure. <laughs> but she did win three Emmys in a row for, for Roseanne, even though Roseanne was never nominated for Best Comedy Series. Yeah, I read that too. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Hmm. I wonder if she has a Tony. <laughs> she could, he got it. But I think you're right. I think because of what I was saying earlier, like the way it finds into addressing these, I guess I'd say political ideas or social They are, uh, yeah. Problems. It's a very political show. Yeah, like – they're not shoehorned in. They're just so subtle and interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel dated to me at all. In a way, yeah. Like if you ignore the haircuts and the, some of the, yeah. the clothes, especially Johnny Galecki's haircut and clothes. <laughs> uh, oh well, at one point DJ had a wallet chain that was pretty rad. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, you're like a super fan. I'm going to call you that now because I didn't know that you taped them and made your own box sets. But are there any other episodes you wanted to call out as ones that are significant to you that we haven't talked about yet? Two that I rewatched for this. One, which I forgot all about, was when DJ becomes religious. And at the same time, Roseanne and Jackie work at that the restaurant. They're getting all these free stoves. And DJ is coming down on them, being like, you have to give the free stoves back because he now believes in God. It's just a really incredibly funny <laughs> and thoughtful commentary on religion. And I forgot all about it. But yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's really funny. There was like a weird religious thing in like the last episode not weird but she was like definitely talking about some god like people did back. oh in the yeah day. she said she learned that god existed through like writing her family's story in some <laughs> vague project in which she yeah switched around her i couldn't tell partners. whether that was just more of the times or whether that was like some sort of weird personal statement i don't know i kind of like that monologue i didn't hate it yeah i mean it's okay and we haven't even mentioned the the pot smoking episode, which is oh, many yes. people consider the the best. It, I right. mean, it's not my all time favorite, but it's it's very funny. I the only thing I remember from that is Jackie is in the bathtub and she says, "Is this the sink? Am I shrinking?" <laughs> DJ comes to the door and Roseanne's like, "What do you want, DJ?" And yeah. then they're trying to talk to each other, and it's it's actually really it's it's one of the the most thoughtful portrayals of being high on weed I've seen on network television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember them like just getting really bummed out, and they're like, "This isn't the same. We were young, and there was a war going on." <laughs> like, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't preachy like saying this is bad. It was just meant like uh, it's not fun when you're old. <laughs> yeah, it might have something to do with a twenty year old pot that they were smoking. That's yeah. Well, Get the fresh doesn't time. age like wine. It's not like <laughs> afraid not. Yeah. I thought this stuff would make me feel younger. All I feel is old and tired and hungry. Man, maybe this is how we got back. <laughs> Nobody loves me. <laughs> oh, hi, Jackie. We got you. You went home. What do you mean? I got nothing. <laughs> no boyfriend, no meaningful job, no husband, no family. It's just me. It's just me and my ganja. Well, that was a good episode. You're right. You yeah. know, I wanted to watch that too. There are just too many to watch. Yeah. I think that was like a spoof on very special episodes. It was sort of like trying to take the wind out of some of the other ones. Almost. Because was it they find Darlene had pot or something and it gives – Yeah, And then Dan's right. like, this is your pot. 
Yeah. It's David. Because they David. find it in the basement, and at that point, Darlene's gone to college, but David still lives there. Mm-hmm. And then David says it's covers his because her, he covers right. with Darlene, but it wasn't Darlene. Yeah, right, right. It was right. Like years ago. Uh, again, that's a funny way to tell that story. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like Ghostwriter or something where no. they just like find it. I joy. remember when they found Pot on Seventh Heaven, and they were not as cool about it. I don't think that they <laughs> got stoned at all. <laughs> Yeah, I think that guy had some other secrets that that yeah. were way worse. <laughs> Shouldn't have been lecturing everybody about pot use. Fucking creep. Okay, any other episodes you wanted to mention? No, I think that that's it. That's yeah. good. Yeah, so many. I like. It. I was just like looking at the episodes. I just wanted yeah. to watch them all for this podcast and didn't have time. I will probably watch some more episodes of Roseanne. Will you watch some more? Are you going to watch the the reboot? Yeah. yeah, I will. I'm a little like you hesitant, but I'll how can watch you it. not though? It's yeah. Just, yeah. Even just seeing like the set reconstructed was like, yeah. Give me. I don't know if you saw they they put like as a promotion they like decorated a, a New York City subway car like like the uh, the Connors living oh, room. Yeah? yeah, which is kind of strange. It's weird. And and the the sad part was the the actor who played DJ was driving the train. <laughs> At least he didn't say sleeping on the train. <laughs> <laughs> My living room. Uh, Subway operators, a respectable job. What's his name? Is Michael Fishman, right? Yeah. Well, he did good. He did well. He was in The Shape of Water, right? He was the Fishman. <laughs> okay. Well, I think he looks really good. Yeah. I saw like a, a contemporary picture of him. He doesn't look like a little twerp. <laughs> well, he must be like forty. No. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, most child actors they look weird after a while. You know, like Haley Joel Osment or something. Yeah. 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 Haley Joel Osment. He's a special weird. example, though. <laughs> Well, even like the Olsen twins kind of look like Gollum. All cute kids turn into being weird old. I think that's a rule. So they they peak too early in their cuteness. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, I'm, so, I'm still waiting to peak. <laughs> so we all think that this show was rewatchable. Everyone should go check out Roseanne yeah. before the reboot. And it's all, in, at least in Canada, it was all on Amazon. Yeah. So that's how I watched it. And she's the original Amazon. Well, not the original, but... Hey, Amazon. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. And where can people find your stuff on the internet? Uh, cbc.ca slash arts. Okay. That, yeah. that's, you're the closest we've had to like getting Mr. Dressup or something. Because like <laughs> oh, yeah. you actually work in the CBC building. I do work in the CBC building. Mr. Dressup's dead. What? <laughs> At Peter Knett is my Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Okay, P-E-T-E-R, perfect. obviously, and then K-N-E-G-T. Okay. And Rob? You can tweet me. Perfect. And as always, you can find more episodes at rewatchability.com. You can, oh yeah, go get a t-shirt on TeePublic. Yeah. And if you have something that you want us to review or talk about, you can leave a message on SpeakPipe. Yeah. If you go to the website, there's a little button on there. As always, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Rewatchability. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rewatchability. And go out and enjoy a loose meat sandwich (laughs) on us. Not on us. Well, we're not going to pay for it. I can't afford it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.